Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today you'd like to hear more about, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast called Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take Sunday topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's take a listen to this week's message. Good, man. Good crowd at Nightwatch. You guys are excited. Good to see all of you here. want to welcome our crowd at Fred. Hope you guys are doing awesome out there. And then also our online crowd. It's great to have you guys join us today. And uh, hey, one thing before we dive into the message, I just want to celebrate one thing. Um, yesterday, we started off our basketball program, which we usually start off, Rocky Mountain Youth Basketball and Cheer, start off at the same time every year. But this year, we talked about it. We partnered with um, Carbon Valley Youth Sports and also Niwot Youth Sports. And pulled those two programs together, and it has exploded, doubled the program. And yesterday, there were almost 1,200, let me say it again, 1,200 kids playing basketball, cheerleading, super good. So I may need a shot of coffee or something at the middle middle of this message, but yesterday was a long, exhausting day, but it was so awesome. And I want to thank all our volunteers, all our people. It was super fantastic. And here's the coolest part. Amanda Rohrbaugh was running this site here at Niwot. Um, We've never had games actually here. We'd have kids practice, but we haven't had games. We had so many people coming through this place. And she's like, Sean, I think I only knew like half of them. I was out at Carbon Valley um, Rec Center and I got to run that site and work with volunteers and people. And the people out there were fantastic. Their staff and volunteers were awesome. But I bet 70% of the people out there I had never seen or met before. And it was awesome. And so just exposing more people, connecting with more people, um, it was just fantastic. So here's the thing. You may not have participated in that. You may not have. Now, I still need some refs. So if you want to come participate, that'd be helpful. But you may not have participated in that, but you helped make that happen. Man, every time you give at this place, every time you jump in and you participate in other ways and help us make this place happen, we get to reach out to other people. And that's what we're about, is about reaching the one, being for the one. So thank you guys. Let's give God a hand again. Pretty awesome day yesterday, for sure. Okay, I want you to get to the book of Proverbs. We've been in a series for a few weeks um, called What Was I Thinking? We've all had those moments. It's funny, the different stories that I talk to people about during the series, like, yeah, I had one of those What Was I Thinking moments this last week. Or I had one in the last month, or I had one two years ago that I'm still dealing with. I mean, there are funny stories and there are big stories with difficult consequences. But we have all had those moments in our life where we would say, what was I thinking and why did I do that? Because I'm here right now. We've had that feeling before. It's interesting, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, a guy named Solomon writes it. Jesus talked about Solomon and he said he was the wisest person who ever lived. Solomon wrote down his memoirs. He wrote down his little sentence sayings to his sons and also to the nation of Israel to say, here's wisdom. Here's wisdom in some of the areas of your life. And if you want to find some wisdom in life, understand that life happens. We talked about this idea. Life happens in what? Patterns. Wow, you guys are better in the first service. You guys got it. Good. Life happens in patterns. It just does. And there's so many repeatable patterns in life that you can look at. And what Solomon does, he takes about four or five issues in our life and he says there are repeatable patterns for good and there are repeatable patterns for bad. And they either have good consequences or they have bad consequences and they set you up. Interesting in this series, I've had probably, it's probably been seven or eight times, whether it's in a lobby, it's a text, um, or it's an email, I've had the same book recommended to me. 
So I don't know how many of you have read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Anybody read that before? See a few hands go up. Um, I've had so many people during this series be like, hey, you should read that book. Well, I've actually listened to it and uh, listened to it before. It, it is a great book, but James Clear talks about this. He says this idea. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. Everybody has goals. Like we make goals, but it doesn't mean because you make a goal, you're gonna accomplish a goal. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your what? You would think atomic habits, he would say habits. He says, no, you fall to the level of your systems. He talks about the idea of systems. Let me say it again. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems, meaning everyday repeatable patterns. He even goes on to talk about most of us don't even realize the everyday repeatable patterns that we have. Think about what you do the first thing in the morning when you wake up. What's your pattern? You roll over, grab your phone, scroll through your social media feed, read a little bit of news, hit the snooze button four or five times, stay in bed for 30 minutes, and then you get up. It's probably a repeatable pattern. And those repeatable patterns actually, um, uh, actually lead to 40% of the things that happen in our life. So he talks about it's not goals, it's repeatable patterns, repeatable systems. He says goals don't determine success. Systems for habits determine success. And I love this. He says the fastest way to accomplish big things is to consistently do small things that matter. Fastest way to accomplish big things in life is not to set some big goal. It's to consistently do small things that compound on each other for time. It's consistency over time that leads to success. And so we've tackled some different issues and ideas. We talked about friends. Man, there's so much response on the message last week. We talked about words. I don't know if you shut up last week, but that was one of the points. Shut up, right? Sometimes there was like four times. There was one time last week. I'm like, don't do it. You preached on it, don't do it. And I did it, right? And you pay the price for that. But there's other times I realized, build up, build up. I had one guy that ran into the, me this week and he looked at me and he gave me an encouraging word and he paused and he did it again. And I know exactly what he's doing. He listened to the message. He said, I'm just working on, I'm practicing building up. So did you shut up and build up? That was the system, the pattern we talked about to try to create um, better results with our words. But here's the interesting thing. Solomon talks about words. He talks about friends. He talks about sex. He talks about money. He talks about money a lot. And, and here's what I just say to, to you right now. Probably the most practical easy thing we can talk about, not easy, but most practical thing with repeatable systems that we can create in this entire series is this idea today. Now, some of you are going to go, oh, great. We're going to talk about money and churches talk about money and I've heard manipulation and I've heard guilt and all we're doing is to get to money, talk about money and my money so we can talk about giving. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. In Matthew, Jesus says this, Matthew chapter seven, verses 15 through 20, he says, be wary of false preachers who smile a lot. So I'm not gonna smile the rest of this message, but dripping with practice sincerity, sincerity. Chances are that they are out to rip you off in some way or the other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees, love that, and their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. So here's the deal. I don't want to get chopped down or burned by you or by God. Our intention is not that. Our intention today is to do exactly what Solomon said and give you, Jesus says this, God says this, I can't change your past. I can forgive your past, even bad decisions that you've made. 
but I can actually give you wisdom and patterns and systems to give you a better future. And that's what he wants to do today. So today, this is about you. We will talk about giving. That's a part of some of the systems God talks about. But what we're talking about today is something that can take you from being in financial bondage to actually being financially free. It's interesting. There's another book, and it's written by um, a guy named Chris Hogan, and it's called Everyday Millionaires. My roommate in college was on the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Like he was. He didn't win, but he did pretty well. But he, he, it's funny. Um, how many of you would want to be a millionaire? Not the show, but just be a millionaire. Well, yeah, some of you are like, dude, I'm in. Is that what we're talking about? No, not exactly today. But there's a guy named Chris Hogan. He writes this book, Everyday Millionaires, and his point is the idea of we have these perception of what we would say a millionaire would have or look like or do. He's like, let's just find out. He organizes the largest study, financial study, of millionaires in America in history, right? And he says, what do they look like? What do they do? What do they have in common? What habits and systems do they actually have? And he has some quotes just to give you a little picture of the kind of people he's talking about. Bill, Bill writes this. Bill says, 10 years ago, my wife and I had $800,000 in debt. Okay, so this is a guy who's just talking about, like, here's where I was, not a millionaire at all. I got a bunch of debt. And then he says this. He says, um, we had $800,000 in debt before we financially woke up. He says, we worked hard to get where we are today. We both have a high school education with little college for me and trade school for her. So we're not talking about people who, all these degrees, all... He says, now our net worth is $1.2 million. Listen to this one. Some are like, well, you know, got to make a lot to be a millionaire. Listen to this. Janet, I've never earned more than $38,000. We didn't inherit any money, and we are retiring in four years with $3 million. Donald, I love this one. If you are a student in the room, listen up. Donald says, I started planning and saving when I heard about compound interest at the age of 13. 13, smart dude, says, we've always lived on one income and we've saved and invested the other income. Our parents gave us a strong work ethic and taught us not to care about what other people possess. He started at age 13, he has a net worth of $9.5 million and he's still working. Here's the deal, you just gotta understand, it's not about how much you make, it's about what you do with what you make. And God has blessed us and called us to be stewards of what he's given us. Now, these stories are exactly what we've talked about. How do those people get to that place? Repeatable patterns and systems of wisdom applied to their finances. Here's the deal. Wisdom is, say it again, wisdom is seeing patterns, but it's more. Wisdom is seeing patterns, and it's creating systems over time and consistency that change our lives. It's that way with eating. It's that way with going to the gym. It's that way with anything you do, and it's that way with finances. And today, we're going to talk about money because here's the deal. A lot of us don't have, like statistics will tell us, a lot of us are not doing well in that area. I'll just run down a few really quickly. 30% of Americans say that they are constantly stressed out about money. 58% of Americans say that they have less than $1,000 in savings for, um, and many of those people couldn't even take care of a $400 emergency. 38% of Americans have credit card debt that is averaging $16,000 or above. 42% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck and get this one. 25% of Americans who make six digits live paycheck to paycheck. And one in three Americans um, have zero saved for a uh, retirement. What's that saying? 
What that says is we live in financial bondage. Like we live in a consumer society, the amount of advertisements that you see that's telling you every day, all throughout the day, everything you watch, everything you listen to is built on advertisements and they're telling you your life would be better if you just buy this thing. And you buy that thing and your life's not better because it broke in the first two weeks, right? And we spend all kinds of money on things that we don't need. And what the pattern is, is we incur debt, we don't save, we spend like crazy, we buy today and we pay tomorrow and the result is more stress, no security, no impact through generosity and we end up with an area of our life that could bring purpose to us and satisfaction that overwhelms us and makes us a slave to our money. And what God wants is for you to have a better life. And again, just so you know it's possible, just so you don't sit here and every person in this room, somebody's gonna have an excuse and say, well, it's not possible because I don't live in a situation where I could actually be that. I'm not talking about you being a millionaire. I'm talking about you being financially free, okay? My goal is not for you to be a millionaire. My goal is for you to know Jesus. But when we know Jesus, what do we do? We put first things first. Even in our finances, we're willing to give everything to him, say, I'm a manager, not an owner. You tell me how to manage this thing, and I bet it's gonna be better for me. So just so you know, millionaires we're talking about in Chris Hogan's book, he says this, two out of three of them graduated from state schools. They didn't go to an expensive private college. They didn't go to an Ivy League school. They went to CSU Pueblo. They went to a University of Wyoming. They went to Northern Colorado. They went to a regular state school. 9% didn't even graduate from college. Close to 50%, this is my favorite one, close to 50% had a B average or less I qualify. Super excited about that. 18% are self-employed. 62% earn under $100,000. Um, it's not, again, not about how much you make. It's about what you do with what you make. On average, get this, their homes are 2,600 square feet. They've lived there for an average of 17 years. Two-thirds of them have paid off their mortgage, and they did it in an average of 11 years. Here's a kicker. Top professions of millionaires, what are they? Top five, get them in your mind. I guarantee you, number three, you will never guess. Top five are this, engineer number one, you're like, okay, I see that. Accountant number two, yeah, they got a budget, they save like crazy, they're penny pension all over the place. Number three is teacher, public school teacher. It's possible, time, system, over time, commitment, consistency, it works, management and lawyer. Average price a millionaire spends, this is a great one. Average price a millionaire spends on jeans, 35 bucks. And all students in the room, just so you know, they usually buy jeans that like you get everything for the 35 bucks. Like it's not like, you know, the whole front gone, holes, whatever. Actually, listen to me. Don't tune me out because of that. So anyways, meaning, and that's usually what that means. That means you can dress like a millionaire or you can be a millionaire, but you can do both. So here's the deal. You look at it, there are more teachers that are millionaires than CEOs. Why? Because they apply wisdom. And so here's what I wanna do, is I wanna take the next few minutes, we are gonna fly. Like we are gonna fly. And some of you are gonna look at this and you'll be like, I'm doing that, or I've done that. I could have stayed home and slept in, get ready for the football games. No, today you celebrate that what you're doing, God is blessing you in, and what you ought to do is you ought to tell somebody. Like you ought to tell somebody your story to help them and encourage them to where they could get. And you should teach your kids this. You should teach your grandkids this. Show them that. Some of you are going to be like, I am so in debt. It's such a hole, Sean. I can't even get out. You don't even know what you're talking about. Hey, 
There are so many people that you're sitting next to right now that have been there and have gotten out because of what we're gonna talk about. So you jump in and you listen four systems, four patterns and four systems that will help you that come straight out of the book of Proverbs that are for you and for a better life. First pattern is this, we gotta kill debt. Like if you wanna be financially free, you wanna listen to Solomon's advice, you gotta kill debt because if you don't kill debt, debt's gonna kill you. Solomon says this, 22, chapter 22, verse seven, he says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. A slave has no control over their life, their time, their priorities, where they wanna go, what they wanna do. The owner has the priority. The owner makes the decisions. And so here's how this works out. Your friends come to you and like, dude, let's go on that vacation. We've been saving, we're pumped and we're excited. And you're like, I would love to, but my owner, Visa, won't let me, right? I'm gonna pay for my kids' college. Kids, kids wanna go to college, this place, and they're excited and college is crazy expensive nowadays. You're like, kids, I love you, but uh, sorry, because my owner, three car payments, an uh, overblown house payment, I just can't do it. I mean, there's all, I wanna be involved in that thing at church. I wanna be involved in that thing in the community. I wanna give to something that makes a difference and leaves a legacy, but oh, my owner, MasterCard, won't let me. The borrower is slave to the lender, and the pattern is, is that death makes us a slave to money. And so here's what the system is. Here's what the system is to get out of this. And if you're a Dave Ramsey fan, you will know this system. I'll talk about who he is later, but the system is the debt snowball. Pay attention to this, the debt snowball. We're gonna run through it really quickly. Let's just imagine right now that here's your debts, all right? So we put your debts up there. You've got a loan of $9,000. You can see the interest rate on that. You got a minimum payment of 200 bucks, all right? We just go down. We owe REI just a little bit of money. We buy some camping gear, some other things. We put it on credit. We owe 650 bucks minimum payment of $30. We owe some more to Visa. That is probably way low for most people. Um, Target, car loan, $7,000. Parents have been really generous, helped us out. We're still paying off about 1,600 bucks at zero interest. So what we would do with the debt snowball, you look at that, if you just work on paying that off and you pay in the minimum payment for however long it's gonna take, do you know how long that would be? A decade. You're gonna be a slave to that debt right there and probably many of you are like, it's much, much more. You're gonna be a slave to that debt for the next 10 years. So what you would normally think, what a lot of you mathematicians, you would go, well, here's what I would do. I would take the highest interest rate. We would look at that. We would look through. We got a couple 18% there. We would take the highest interest rate and we would organize it by the highest interest rate. Mathematically, that would be a good idea because we want to pay off the highest interest rate fast because we don't want to be paying to the lender, right? Extra. But actually what happens is people get so tired of that because usually their credit cards are so high and the interest rate is so high is they don't actually create momentum. And so the debt snowball says is we reorganize our debt into the lowest debt, the smallest debt to the highest. So we take Target and we're like, oh, $50 minimum payment. Okay, 450 bucks. That's not that hard. But what we're gonna do in the debt snowball is we're gonna look at it and say, I don't wanna just pay the minimum payment, right? On these things, I wanna create some margin, I wanna find a little extra bucks to start getting me a little momentum. So I pay off that small one, I add to it, then I can pay off the next one. And I begin to quickly begin to compound that and pay things off. I grab momentum each time I pay something off, I celebrate it and I go after the next one. So what we do is we find an extra 200 bucks 
So you can see that the minimum payment up there is $50. What we're gonna do is we're gonna find an extra $200, which means this. You're probably gonna have to cancel Netflix. You'll survive, it's okay. You're probably gonna have to do less Starbucks, like not once a day. You probably just clean it up for a month right there, right? Starbucks, we're gonna find a little bit, we're gonna cancel some subscriptions, we're gonna stop um, buying Starbucks, we're gonna stop going to Ziggy's right now for a little bit, and then what we're gonna do is find $200, we're gonna add it to that minimum payment, and we're gonna start paying off $250 on that debt. That's gonna take us two months. And then instead of going back and buying some more Starbucks, we're gonna take that 250 bucks a month, and we're gonna add it to the $30 that we're already paying for REI, and we're gonna make $280, and we're gonna crash that in three months. And then we're gonna take that 280 and we're gonna add it over here to our parents' debt and we're gonna crash that really fast. And you just see how it snowballs. And if you stay with just a minimum payment, what you get is 10 years. If you go after the debt snowball, 21 months. 21 months and you freed yourself up of however many dollars that you're paying, $1,110 at the end every month. And if you're smart, here's what you do. You don't go back to your subscriptions. You don't go back to your Starbucks. And honestly, as you've worked through, what you'll find out is you're gonna begin budgeting and doing some other things. And you're gonna be able to look at this and you're gonna actually have money for some of those things too. But you're managing your money wisely and you're gonna find out at the end if you would take that $1,110 invested over 10 years in a mutual fund, which historically gets about 10% return on it for 10 years, same that you would pay things off in, minimum payment, you will end up with $169,709 just for canceling Netflix and stop drinking Starbucks. Like, I think I'm in for that. I think you should be in for that. Solomon's saying, if you'll just say, if you've got a system and you see that you're in bondage to this debt, it's actually possible. That, that amount of money that you talk about saving there, I have actually seen some people in our church that have paid off hundreds and hundreds, almost to where that one guy was where he said, I have $800,000 in debt. They started the debt snowball, and it is amazing how fast that you pay things off. Man, you wanna be free. You do what Solomon says, and you begin to kill debt. You create the system of the debt snowball, and it will help you. Second thing we do, is we practice generosity. So we start with killing debt. We get rid of that kind of just weight on our shoulders and we say, let's kill that, and we practice generosity. It's interesting, the stats say that the majority of millionaires practice generosity. Like they practice generosity, that is a big part of their life, and more importantly, it's the way you make sure that money doesn't strangle you or doesn't create greed in you or all these other things, you be generous. Like, did you realize that God actually created a system for this? Uh, think about it, in scripture, if you go back to the Old Testament, God created a system like he does in so many things, a pattern for his people to actually be generous. And that system was called tithing. And so it was first things first, what they did is they gave what was called the first fruits. So they gave a 10th or the first dime of every dollar that they made, they gave to the temple. That's what they did. Actually, it's interesting. In Jewish history, they also had another tithe that they gave to the poor, and then they had another tithe that they gave to the land to work the land every three years. So when you work out the math, two tithes a year, and then one tithe that was broken up over three years, that's 23 point something percent. 
What God said is he started off and he said, start off with a system that will actually allow you to start looking at your finances and managing your finances better. It'll keep you away from greed because you're trusting me and you're giving the first 10 cents of every dollar away. And then you get to the New Testament and Jesus and Paul start talking. And they actually talk about it differently. They talk about giving sacrificially. They talk about giving generously. They talk about assessing not the percentage, but what we make and looking at what we can give. And when you interpret that and look at all the things that they're talking about, what you find is you find that 10%, the tithe is not the finish line. You actually find the idea that 10% is actually the starting line. Sometimes we're so leveraged that we can't get there, but if we start the debt snowball, then God says, work on that and then give what you can. And when God blesses you, you give a little bit more. And when God blesses you, you give a little bit more. But he gave us a system of tithing to put first things first and give the first 10 cents of every dollar to what God's doing. And here's what happens. I already said it. It keeps you away from greed. The second thing that it does is when you're generous, your money does not control you. You prioritize giving away, it doesn't own you, it's not telling you what to do, you're telling it what to do. And then the other thing that happens when you're generous is it allows you to be part of what God's doing in the world. So yesterday I talked about some kids playing basketball. Every dad, every mom that brings their kid to play some basketball. I was talking to one of, uh, one of the guys and, and he was there, he'd never seen our program before, he'd been in the community programs, but he watched the program and he was like, this is so fun. Like when they announce all those kids running in and we got like the NBA music and everything going, the only thing we don't have is lights and smoke. But we got that here on Sunday mornings for you, so it's, it's all good. But it, he was like, I wish I'd have known about Rocky earlier. What happens is he comes through basketball, then he connects with coming to church on Sunday mornings, and then he connects with a group, and then he makes friends, and he starts hearing about God, what God can do in his life. He finds grace. He even says, I gotta get counseling for my marriage because I'm not being the kind of husband that God wants me to be. Changes his marriage, changes his parenting, can change generations of. And every basketball that gets bounced, every baptism that happens, every person that finds new life in Christ, every, you may not have created it happening, but you get to participate and help it happen. And man, that's the kind of life we should live. There's a lot of us who are like, you know, I'm not, I think I'll stop giving, I'll start giving when I have enough to give. My experience is if you wait till you have enough, you'll never start. You'll never experience God's miracles too. Because there was a portion early, early, early on in, in my marriage, in our ministry, where we had that kind of, man, we got kids and we got bills. And when we get paid a little bit more, well, it just didn't happen. And then all of a sudden we were convicted and we we're like, dude, we just got to start. And we started and it was like, I don't know how we're going to keep doing it this month. But there was a miracle that happened that month. And I don't know how we're going to keep doing it next month. And there's a miracle that happened that month. And we just begin, and we begin to trust, and we're like, okay, here's what, and what you begin to see over time is that when you're generous, I believe this is true, God takes care of you. I'm not saying, I'm not health and wealth, I'm not saying God's gonna make you a millionaire, he's just gonna provide. Like our last three months have been really interesting. We bought a house um, eight years ago that we extended on. We even had a little bit of help on to get into that house. And I was like, if we can get this house right here, because it was a bank owned property, there was a lot of work that needed to be done on it. I'm like, this is an investment. If we, and we stretched ourselves financially. Here's what we did not do. We never stopped giving. Because we had a conviction that said, God has said, 
first fruits, first things fruits, give, give the first 10 cents of every dollar and trust me to see. So we did. And there were moments I'm like, I don't know how this, and I hate this stupid house because it was. We sold that house last month. There were some extenuating circumstances, some bills we need to pay off, some medical things and some other things. That house, the market, way it has gone up, what we've been able to do and be consistent, and then what God helped us sell that house for, and way we've been able to be set up looking forward. I got a kid who's got a full ride to Wyoming, and she's taking care of college that way. I got another kid that's working out on that, and I just see every single time that God's coming through. And part of it's because he's just doing miracles. Part of it's because we're finally being wise. And it's systems over time that work. And so Solomon says this, he talks about generosity and he just says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, he's not gonna make you a millionaire because you give. You might be wise with your money and, and that might happen. But what he's gonna do is he's gonna provide and he's gonna do miracle after miracle in your life. And so that's the pattern, here's the system. The system that we do here at Rocky is really simple. We do online giving. So if you go to rocky.church slash this week, there's a link right there to, to giving. You can go to rocky.church slash give, either one of those. And there's a link to giving. And what you do is you do it just like you would do your retirement, just like you do a lot of things. You set up a reoccurring, like our deal is just reoccurring. Like, I just know it's gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. So, so we, you set it in there and it sets, and then what you do is you, you, you give and then you save and then you live on what's the rest. And I know what the rest is because this is already coming out off the top. It's the first fruits, the first thing that happens. It's not the last thing that happens in the month because it won't happen. It's the first thing and you live on the rest. You set up online giving and you do it. And here's the thing. I believe that if you do that and you trust God, he'll set you free. He'll set you free. Got an amen right down there. That person knows. There should be a lot of amens. It's true, right? It'll set you free. Here's the last thing I'd say on that. Not only do a lot of people say, I'll give when I give more, a lot of people just don't start, and the first time they really give is when they die and give away their estate. Whatever large is left or whatever little. How fun is that? Wouldn't you actually like to see where your money's going and see it change lives and change kids' lives and change people's lives? How about you give while you live, right? God says that, I've given this to you to make a difference and give to change people's lives. So do it, I would encourage you. Third thing is this, the pattern is save consistently will go fast. Proverbs chapter six, verse 10 and 11 says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an unarmed man, meaning time, consistency, systematic, it happens and it will reward you. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, go to the ant, you sluggard. I love this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. It's working now for tomorrow. So the pattern is we save consistently. There's a lot of people that are in financial slavery because they're not saving. And there's a lot of people on that list that are millionaires because they did what? They saved. And so we've got to figure out what is the system on that? We figure out a system where the system is simply this. We automatically save for retirement. And Dave Ramsey, when he talks through about that financial guru, he says you automatically save 15% for retirement. He says the first thing that you do is financial plan for freedom. He says, first thing you do is you get three months expenses in the bank, saved up. 
then you start saving 15% for retirement. Did you know that if you're a teacher, when I talked about teachers earlier, if you're a teacher and you start off making somewhere in the 40s, 43 to 48,000, um, start off here in St. Brain. You consistently invest in a school retirement program. You never get a raise, that doesn't happen, but you never get a raise your entire life. You do it the entire time that you're a teacher. You will retire with $3 million. It's not about how much you make. It's about what you do with you, what you make. You automatically save, and the key is automatic. First thing that comes out, we give. Second thing that comes out, we save. We make a pattern of give, save, live on the rest. And when you make it automatic, all you got is that rest that's left. You got that rest that's left, and you just go for it, and God begins to bless that 75% that is rest. Last thing is this, is we spend wisely is we spend wisely. What is Solomon talking about? He is talking about budgeting. And Proverbs chapter 27, 23, and 24 says this, be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. <laughs> One of the people after first says, we don't have flocks, but we do have stocks. So be sure you know the condition. Man, that was bad, but blame it on that person. So be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds for riches do not endure forever and a crown is not secure for all generations. What he's saying is pay attention to the resources you've been given to manage. Key word, manage. We're not owners of God's resources. We are there to manage that. And he says, yes, for your benefit too, but for my kingdom. And he says, so what you do is you budget. Dave Ramsey says this. He says, live on a budget. And he says, "What well, create a budget, and then what you do is you have a budget meeting every month in your family. He says, you sit down with your spouse if you're married, and you have a budget meeting. You say, here's the expenses for the month. How are we going to take care of this? We've got it budgeted out. Is there any unforeseen things that are going to happen? What do you think you have? What do most divorces come from? Money issues. What if this is a way to sit down and you start the debt snowball and you start high-fiving each other going, look at that, we paid off that. Look at that, we paid off that. And you get some momentum going together and you start having date nights once a month to go out and talk about money. How weird would that be? And you get excited about it. And what if it actually helped heal your marriage? Something, a little small pattern and system that you created, something used to be hard to talk about. And now you got a debt snowball and you got a budget and you're tithing and you're saving and you're saying, we're gonna get there. Dave Ramsey says, set a budget, have a budget meeting, meet with your spouse once a month. If you're single, he says, meet with somebody else. Set it up, that'll impress the heck out of somebody else. You meet with them for accountability and say, here's what I'm going, here's what I'm doing. Any advice for me, create some accountability. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. You might say, man, Sean, I just don't know where to start with all of that. I've mentioned Dave Ramsey a bunch of times. Um, he's kind of a financial guru. He's a Christian guy. Um, he runs an organization, um, and, and they have a thing that's called Ramsey Plus, and we actually subscribe to that. We pay um, almost $10,000 a year to subscribe to Ramsey Plus for you. And so you go online, we give you the link, you go online, you create a subscription for free, it provides all kinds of apps to help budget, uh, budget manage your money. There are online classes that you can take that help you with things like the debt snowball and thinking about your finances. If you are a person who's financially free, there's all kinds of resources to say, how do you invest this and leave a legacy? If you're a student, if you're a college kid, so excited, I got a kid up in Wyoming. She's like, dad, I got all these things I gotta learn and finances, we we're talking about, and she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, it's great, Ramsey Plus. I'll send you a few videos for college students and high school students. Start early. And so today, what you're gonna get, you can either go to Rocky Dot Church slash this week, it'll give you a link to Ramsey Plus, 
It'll also give you a link to our Financial Peace University that is uh, classes that are part of Ramsey um, Ministries and what they do, and that's starting in two weeks. It's a 10-week class that you can sign up for, super easy, and you would not believe the amount of people that have gone through it in our church and the amount of debt that they've all paid off. It is ridiculous. But you can go to rocky.church slash this week and sign up for those, or you can sit back and watch the Patriots get beat this, or excuse me, the Bucks get beat this afternoon. Hopefully, all right? And we're gonna send you a text, and on your couch, while you're watching football, you can sign up. So you'll get a text this afternoon that'll help you out with all of that today. We started with the idea of talking about some millionaires. Man, if you just step back, Get the millionaire thing out of your mind. What do you want your life to look like? When you really step back, like what do you even wanna do in your life? 25th anniversary, I wanna take my wife to do this. What do you have to do now to be able to do that? 50th anniversary, 60th anniversary, what, what do I have to do now to do that? Pay for my kids college, what do I have to do now to do that? Be generous and change somebody's life, what do I have to do now to do that? The whole thing Proverbs is talking about, the whole thing Solomon is saying is first things first. Like just put first things first. And what we have a tendency to do is put ourselves first and we just want it now. So we just do the American thing and the American dream thing. We buy it now, we buy it on credit. There's some things you have to buy a house on credit. But if we're wise with everything else and we put first things first and we do the system God talks about, dude, you can be financially free, it's true. You can do some of those things that you want. You can leave a legacy and it doesn't matter. You can start now. I don't care how old you are. You can start now and be in a better place in five years if you do first things first. Great conversation with a really good friend this last week. He goes, oh yeah, first things first is this. And he gave a pattern and I love the pattern. He says, first things first is this. You give God the first dime of every dollar. You give God the first hour of every day and you give God the first, or first day of every week. First dime of every dollar, first hour of every day, first day of every week. You give and be generous like he asks. You show up in the morning to just take time with God and say, God, help me through my day. And then you show up at a place like this with loving people that'll hold you accountable. You worship God and you learn and have the opportunity to all these other things. First things first, time, system, put together over a period of time, consistency will change your life. The question is, is do we have the guts to believe and to have faith that what God promises is true? All you do is start. Just start and see what God does. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. I am grateful that you look at our lives and you say, I actually want you to have the best life possible, so you give us wisdom. You give us patterns, you give us advice to say this is how you live life. And so God, I pray in this area that it won't be an area of bondage. I pray it'll be an area of freedom where we get to just brag on the miracles that you do in our lives. And Father, for some, those are gonna be massive, huge. Father, for some, it's just gonna be like, dude, he's just provided every single day. Father, I pray that we can just sing your praises over that. And then God, I pray over time that we would begin to see that consistency in life, it just really does matter. Help us this week to give first dime of every dollar, first hour of every day, and the first day of every week to you and just say, God, do something great. And so Father, for the person who's in debt, help them to know that you can make a difference. You can get them out of that hole. Father, for the person who has done this well, help them to teach somebody else. And God, for our church, we got big vision. 
We got big vision and more vision than we have resources for. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to reach as many people as possible and you would help us to band together and to do that with our time and our talents. It's in Jesus' name that we